Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. Are you excited or what? Somebody said I came. Somebody. I like. I want, I want these guys to hang around me all day long. Every time I say something, I want to hear that little choo. That's kind of nice. Wouldn't that be nice? You like to have that at work? You just say something and every oh, office, turn around and look. Well, tonight, man, we just I'm, I'm going to sit down in a minute, making sure the seats are all there when I get down. But um, we, just, we just wanted to be, um, we wanted to just bless you guys because I really believe that um, there was a lot of questions. You know, before we um, planned on having everybody, you know, Dr. Rob had a great idea. He was like, hey, look, he's like, let's answer some of these guys' questions. Because that, you know, I thought that was one of the greatest things when when I was finding truth. You had all these questions, nobody answered them. It was like going to church every week was like cliffhanger to a cliffhanger to a cliffhanger. It's like, come back next week, we'll tell you. And I'm like, nobody told me nothing from last week. I still don't know what's going on. So they got some really cool questions. A lot of them, are, they're, they're your questions. So we're going to let PL kind of facilitate. Yeah, we had some really great questions. And it's funny. Somebody came up to me and said, oh, I have a question. And they were, they were telling me. And I said, oh, okay, I can write it down. I said, oh, that one's already in there. So I know that if it, some of the questions you may say, it'll be things you never thought of. But we're just tonight just going to have a conversation with Doc and kind of answer your questions about finances, if that's okay with you tonight. So, Doc, we're going to get started with the number one question, the very first question that we had was what did you do to start seeing financial growth in your life? The, uh, oh, thanks. Kind of the, I, th- I think one of the things that people misunderstand about abundance or prosperity or things in, in this arena is that they see it as a single portion of their, of their lives. They don't see their life as a whole. You know, you're only you're only being disappointed or losing over the things that you don't know. And you're being crippled by some of the things that you do know. So I had so many things to unlearn good. before I began to learn. Because I was under the understanding and was willing to have this happen in my life. I was willing to become poor just to know God. Well, that's a great attitude, except you can't live there. You know, when people say that, you know, you know, money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's the attitude that goes behind money that becomes the problem. It's not money. If, if in fact, that, and we talked about that before, whatever God put in the scriptures... He put them in the scriptures for the receiver of those things. Now, many other people, they understand the law. They understand how to go in and out of the things that the world will teach them. But very few know how to go in and out of the scriptures. While at the same time, I can tell you and assure you this, because I have a career that I've sealed and put it away at 40 years. 
I gave the ministry 40 years. Never planned on ministering, at least from that pers perspective, ever again. Because you have to come to the point to where you, you are willing to say, okay, I looked on this, I lived with this, and this is how it is. And I can tell you from the greatest of us to the least of us, each and every one of us has weakness. The Apostle Paul was excited about his weaknesses because he said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he said, for when I am weak, then am I strong. When it comes to finances, the first thing that you have to understand is that God wants you to have them. That heaven is not your problem about money. God isn't withholding it from you. As a matter of fact, Jesus and what he provided for you is actually been absolutely 100% completed. God's not going to do anything more for you. He is not going to actually offer you more, give you more, do all of those things. It's, it's like your mom told you when you were going to school that your lunch is on the counter, honey, and you went off to school. And one of two things occurred. You went off to school with it, and you either didn't eat lunch that day, or your mommy brought it to you. Well, that's what's happening in the church is that your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is not anything that he doesn't have. There's nothing that he does not own. The silver and the gold is his. Everything belongs to him. And what he's doing is he's saying, it all belongs to me, and you're my kids. And Jesus died to bring the inheritance that I want for you into reality. Now, if you don't know how to tap into that reality, that's where the problems lie. So now let's go to the question. So ask the question again. Okay. So the question was, what did you do to start seeing financial growth or increase in your own life? Well, when I got saved, when I got saved, I got saved in a mental institution. And I quit my job working in downtown Chicago, making a lot of money. I imported audio equipment from England and Japan and went crazy there because of the amount of perversion that was in downtown Chicago. I just, I, I lost it. And I was, and it ended up driving me out of my mind. I almost killed someone of which I'm not very proud of, but it was the only thing that I could see that would be able to take me out of this horrible place that I was at in my life. I had the object in my hand and was about to do what I was going to do. And I looked at my hand and I dropped it and ran my car. And that was the beginning of the end of who Rob Thompson was. And in that mental institution, I was there for 41 days. 
And while I was there, I was there five times longer than they would ever let anyone stay in this particular facility. I was just about to be transferred to a state facility from which there is no return. And uh, when that was about to happen, a fellow told me about Jesus, changed my life. But then I heard from the pastor of the church I was going to that uh, I needed to tithe after I was let out of the loony bin. They actually, I actually got kicked out of a loony bin. <laughs> I got kicked out of being crazy. Well, the, the patients started coming to me rather than to their doctors because they saw what happened to me. And I would tell them, I don't, I, I don't know anything. Let me just tell you what I know. All I know is that at 1130 on October 28th, I was a man that was on his way to dying. I slept, and when I woke up on October 29th, I was a brand new man. With absolutely no, with with no hint of any of yesterday's demonic influence, people say, "Well, why don't you think that God ever did that for me?" Well, He really did. The difference between me and you was was that I was completely demon possessed, and when I got saved, the demons left. And so, when the demons left. I'm looking around and thinking, what am I doing here? You know, so, but many people have habits. And it's these habits that have to be uh, built up in your life for years and years and years in order to introduce it to a demonic influence. You have to give into those habits for so long before a demon will ever come and reside with you. So I was completely given over to the devil. I was um, an epileptic without seizures. The seizures happened to me in the middle of the night. So what did I do in order to begin that road toward finances? Giving has, or let's just say finances, have three levels on them. The first level is obedience. Good. Okay. He said, now you bring all the tithe to the storehouse that there would be meat in, my, meat in my house. The first place that meat needs to go is into God's house. Why? God is tired of having everybody in the world look better than he looks. Because the way the house of God looks is the way you think about God. Because you could change it if you wanted to. Because it's not just Chris and Liz's responsibility. It's my responsibility. Because I'm a worshiper here. He's just a priest. So the first level is obedience, which is my tithe. The second level of giving is being led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse number 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led. Well, there are times, you'll know that this is true when I say this, 
that there are times when God has spoken to you and actually told you that you need to give a particular thing. That And by the way, the other evening when I said, you know, that somebody is going to give a significant amount for the service and you held on and you didn't do it, that never came, never went away. It just went away in your mind. But he still told you that's what he wants you to do. So you do it or you'll be tormented. You know, that's being led by the, the Spirit. He asked you to do it. Now remember this, when God ever asks you for anything, he didn't ask it. He didn't ask you for something that he didn't give you. You're driving down the road. You know, you you have to take a pit stop because you're going to get on the road with um, with your kids and you know, you're going to drive somewhere. It's going to take you an hour, hour and a half or 2 hours or whatever. And so everybody gets a snack, right? So the kids all get their snacks, everybody jumps in the car, wrecks the inside of the car, but you're thinking, I'd rather have a wrecked inside of the car rather than people bouncing off the windows inside the car. So we'll do that. But then all of a sudden you're thinking the coast is clear and, you know, you think, you know, I, you know I'd like to have an M&M. And you look, you turn around the seat and there's, one of the kids got a bag of M&Ms. And you say, you know what, I'd just like just to taste one. How about, how about give me one? And now what do kids usually do? No, it's what? It's fine. That's exactly what God's doing with you. It's mine. And just remember, the moment that you say it's mine is the moment anything you've sown for cannot occur. Because wow. you cannot receive a harvest off a seed you've never sown. Impossible. So <clears throat> the third level is to become like God. To become like God. To have a heart that becomes like God's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. He made the supreme sacrifice of what John, Brother John talked about the other day, about the precious. It is, you have been redeemed with the precious what? Blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So you've been redeemed for that. So by that. And so those three levels, number one, becoming obedient. You'll never be led by the Spirit of God until you're first obedient to the Spirit of God. It's impossible to lead a, in a disobedient person. All right, are we good so far? It's great. Okay. So you can't, you can't, you can't lead a disobedient child. It's like you say, hey, you know what? We're, we're going to go out. We're going to go out and we're going to go shopping. And um, we're going to go shopping today. But I need you to clean your room first. Just clean your room and then we can, we can go shopping. And all of a sudden you say, well, well you know, mom, dad, what, what time are you going to go? We're going to go at 11. So you have a couple of hours to be able to clean your room. I want you to clean your room up. 
11 o'clock comes and goes, and the kid's ready to go shopping. But they didn't clean the room. So guess what? Even though they wanted to go shopping, did they get to go shopping? No. Why can't you see that in life you do that, but then when it comes to you in your walk with God, that you overlook the things that you've been asked to do that you didn't. When God asks me to do something, I do it. I don't care what it costs. It's on my mind. I don't even think about it. I don't say, well, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? Now, I can only tell you what I have done. And I realize that I may be a little bit more radical than most people, but I was crazy. So you don't get free from insanity by being disobedient and willfully obstinate. What's the word? Recalcitrant. You don't, you know, you don't get it that way. Um, and so there are those three levels. So when you begin to tithe, then God begins to talk. You tithe, he talks. When he talks and tells you, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, I can't tell you. I mean, even with Brother John, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm at all these meetings. I'm in meetings with him. I'm in meetings with Mike Murdoch. Are you kidding me? This is expensive. Because you can't sit back and go, oh, you know, well, I gave, you know, I gave at the office. You don't do that. Man, when the Holy Spirit is inside of a meeting, you want to get inside of that anytime you want. I mean, at, at, at any time, there are any level it happens. So I, I decided that no matter what, I give something every day. Good. Every day. I look to give something. Because he's giving to me constantly, and thus I am also willing to give to what he desires. He has people, he has some of you, that he has wanted to show himself strong to. But unless he can talk to somebody else in the crowd, this person comes to the meeting with, with tears and shame and unanswered prayer, and God speaks to you and says, I want you to meet their needs. And you turn around and you think, well, well, maybe if they're here tonight, I'll I'll take care of it then. Oh no. no. I I remember I was riding through a parking lot once with a missionary in the car. I had I had just 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 gotten to the place in my life where I could buy a Mercedes. Now, I couldn't buy gas, but I could buy the Mercedes. I just got there because everything in life is levels, right? You know, And so it was their first turbo diesel that they had built right after 2000 or 2002 or 3. 
and I'm riding with this missionary in in my car, and I'm just it, since I got this car, I mean it's brand new since I bought this car. I really like the car, but I knew somehow it wasn't my car. This wasn't my car. I'm sitting in this car. There's missionaries sitting next to me, and this voice, call him what you want, it was just a voice that said to me, I want you to give him this Mercedes. It's not yours. I felt so good because I didn't know why I felt that it wasn't mine. So I said, hey, here's your car. I moved over, gave him the keys, said, this is yours. Drive us around, whatever. And of course, I mean, people, when you give someone a car, they're a little bit set back. Well, gosh, John couldn't tell you how many cars I gave him. But I learned how to get the finances to be able to buy these things so that others would be able to enjoy. At first, I had to do it on payments. Mm. At first. I don't have to do anything on payments anymore. Nothing. And so, so I gave him the car and he goes, you have absolutely no idea what this is. I said, well, you're right, I don't. I, I said, I just, I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me putting those few miles on your car. It wasn't my car. I never should have driven it. Forgive me. He, this guy's like freaking out. I said, you, you think, you think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. This was your car. I wasn't smart enough to know it wasn't mine when I bought it. Man. I wasn't that smart. So he said that he was in Mexico, about, oh, 150 miles from the U.S. border in Mexico. Been there in Ciudad Victoria, been there for a number of years. And he said, now I can drive because of the amount of the cartels and the people that were um, kidnapped and abducted. And this man's son was abducted by the cartels. And people in his church, of course, have been killed. But the, but the thing is, as he said to me, he said, now I can go from the U.S. border all the way home and never have to stop. He said, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do that. And, and it was at the time when gas was becoming so expensive but diesel was still pretty low and he was just so grateful. But that was the reason why that that happened. Um, that was the spirit of God leading me to do that. Another time when I worked for United Parcel Service, when I used to have a job that there was a, a couple that, The Holy Spirit told me, he said, 
I want you to take all this money for groceries to these people's house. It wasn't, it wasn't a small sum. And I said, well, Holy Spirit, I mean, I'll do, I'll do it tomorrow. And he said, I didn't ask you to do it tomorrow. And the Holy Spirit asked you to do something. He didn't ask you to do it tomorrow. Re remember this. Quick attention to detail is proof that you desire to have a relationship with the one who gave you the instruction. Quick attention to detail proves that you want the relationship because people that ask you things that you don't respond to, you don't want a relationship with and you don't care whether or not you have one. So how did I begin to do it? I began to take those steps. I would tithe. I would wait for the Holy Spirit. No, by the way, when I took that money over to those, but Linda and I took the money over to those people's homes, they weren't eating. They had nothing, they had no food. And so you have no idea what the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. Don't think he doesn't talk to you. He talks to you all the time. You talk him out of it. You tell him his instructions are really not something that you're interested in today. But that's because you don't recognize the price that he had to pay in order to be able to get your needs met. I came to the point, and can you please put up for me that 2 Corinthians 9-7 in the first, first version of the Amplified once again, so that they can see this. And this verse was the verse that actually changed me to becoming a seed sower. And I remember I, I, was, at a, I was at a meeting, kind of like this, just with a lot of people in it. And, and the man up front received, was receiving the offering. And Linda and I spent all the money that we had to just be able to get to the meeting. People are so funny. They think that you grew up with all the money in, that you have now. They don't know the pain. They don't know the times that you went without eating. They don't know the, uh, the hours and the days and the weeks or the months that you fasted. They don't know. But I remember we're at this meeting and I didn't have anything to give. I had nothing and it was, it was offering time. And he said, just like I did with you guys the other day, once you get this envelope, once you write your name on it, I want you to write on there something that you're believing. Not that you, that you desire, but something that you believe. I want you to write that on there as well. And he did all of this. He said, write your name on here. And he said, okay, now put your offering in the envelope. And I started crying. I had nothing. Then I looked down as I'm welling up with tears and thinking about, oh, well, this stuff doesn't work and all that, just like all of us do. And I looked down in my hand and I had a pencil. And I took the pencil and I broke it 
in half. I put the eraser half into the envelope. And I took the, the pointed end and I wrote on the outside of the envelope, I said, I will never be poor again. That's what I believe. And from that moment forward, mine and London's life began, began to change. Now, you may not know, but I, when I went for my job interview at UPS, and then we'll just get right over into questions. Forgive me for trying. I, I, I just talked too much about this. But this, I went, whenever UPS used to do days of hiring, they never used to tell people where they were going to do it. They would like set up a set up a, a little trailer somewhere, and then they would take applications. They'd move the trailer. Nobody would know what they were doing, and they would take applications. But if you ever wanted a job with them, oh my goodness, that you really, you know, you really. I mean, they used to really have a really stringent way that they hired people. So. So I got up and it was my turn. It was my turn to be able to, you know, get my application because the line was so long. I thought they were going to shut the shut the door before I got there, but they didn't. And I, I at that particular time, I had long hair and I had a beard. And uh, and the guy takes my application. He looks at it and he said. Um, Okay, here's a 150 question questionnaire. I said, I want you to make this out. And when you're done, bring this back to me. So I went over and sat down and got this. And it says, did you ever do drugs? Yes. Have you ever had back problems? Yes. When was the last time that you had real problems with your back. I said, today. I said, have you ever been institutionalized? Yes. Have you ever, have you ever had mental problems? Yes. All these things. Have you ever been sickly? Yes. I said, I told them everything. And I got up to I got up to the man with my application and he looks at my application and he said to me, he said, you know, to work here, um, you have to cut off your beard and you have to shave. And I asked him, I said, you got a razor? I'll do it right now. Dry and everything. The guy looks at me, smiles, and he said, you're hired. That came from my tithe. Because I didn't have it. I, if I had 50 bucks, five of those bucks belonged to God. I didn't care if I couldn't pay my bills. Well, no, don't you think I, you know, I owe them money too? 
Well, you know what? If you would actually do what you needed to do with God, you need to use your credit card to get you out of debt because you used it to get you in there. Well, you know, I don't, I don't really have any money to give. Well, how'd you get into debt? If you didn't have any money, you couldn't buy anything. Well, I use my credit cards. I've been living off my credit cards. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. You need to do your giving off your credit card then too. You know, and, and, and people have different viewpoints of all this. This is just where my faith lies, is that whatever puts you in the position that you're in, you use it to get you out of where you are. That's the reason why that your ministry or your mission comes through your pain. Your pain is what your ministry becomes. I don't like the fact that I have to go around the world and telling everybody I was a cuckoo bird. I don't really like that, but people in my family were crazy, so I was crazy. You know, I don't like to go through all of that, but I do. And, and so throughout that time, it was through there that I learned that God is a God of order. He is a God of details. Yes. If you take care of the details, God will take care of what you can't handle. But God never touches your details because you have to use your details by faith, knowing that when you perform this, then God himself is going to reward you. And so throughout that time, then all of a sudden, with by no fault of my own, I'm kicked out of Christianity because I believed what the Bible said. So, you, so you, you get forced into a storefront church just to believe God. It's not, like, it's not like Solomon's temple where the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I mean, it just it wasn't like that. But, but I can tell you this, that I get this idea. During the time that I pastored, I wanted everything for the church. Everything. Everything. And the church got everything that it ever wanted until all of a sudden one day, John Avanzini says to me, what are you doing about your retirement? Now, how do you tell somebody that you're almost in your mid-40s and you don't have any thought about retirement? I thought that the church would take care of me. Remember, but there was a verse that I couldn't get beyond when I believed that. And that verse was, and then there was a Pharaoh that had arisen that knew not Joseph. People are not going to care for you if you don't make the account that God has nothing to put the money into. So I started a trust for all of the employees at the church. And I told them, I said, I will, I will match every month, I will match, the church will match every month to the amount of money that you want to create for your family's future. If you put in $1,000 a month, I'll put in $1,000 a month for you. You put in $2,000 a month, 
I'll put in $2,000 a month for you. I don't care. All I care about is that I will work with you the same as God will work with anybody who wants to be free. So I'll work with you. Do you know that the only person that there, there were about three people who were no longer with the church when I had uh, left, but there were about three people who walked away within between a half a million and three quarters of a million dollars in just a few years. But, you know, most of the people, you know, most, I had 50-some employees, but, you know, most of the people, they didn't do anything. And that's exactly the way it was and is in your relationship with God. Because if you're waiting for God to do something for you, he has already done it. You need to know how to go and pick up your lunch off the counter so that you can eat in the middle of the day. You know. And so what I did was I just set up an amount of money out of my salary every month that would be put into the trust. And at the end, when I, when I actually had uh, completed my responsibilities there, I walked away, let's just say, with many more millions of dollars than just millions of dollars. Why? Because I was working with God for my future. But I could tell you, because here I am on the other side, no matter which business that you work in, friends, all, all of the time, remember, you're responsible for you and for your family. I cannot give houses or lands to my children if I don't have them. What do most kids get from their parents when the kids die? Or when the, when the parent dies, forgive me, when the parents pass away? Nothing. You know, I told you the other day, it was kind of funny, about the temptations when they sang, Papa was a rolling stone, you know. And when he died, all he left us was alone. They put in their A-L-O-N-E. When my dad died, and he died when he was 61. When my dad passed away, he left me alone as well. The problem was, it was A-L-O-A-N that I had to pay for. It was a loan that I had to take care of. I had to take care of my mother. And my mom didn't pass away until she was 86. And so, all I know is this, is that when you start this walk, don't turn around. You'll turn into a pillar of salt. You start walking and don't you stop and you don't allow, well, this week I can't, this week, no, no, no. No, you do this and you do it anyway and you do it regardless so that you can come on the other side of life where let's say a person gets kind of older. When the person is older, that person doesn't think about how much time that he's got and so he's got time to be able to do something later on. That's not. He's out of time, and he knows it. 
So he's not money poor anymore. He's time poor. But some people have to be cared for till the time that they die. I bought one, and, and this will be the last thing I say about this, Liz, forgive me. I, I'm not going to say forgive me anymore about that. The, when, I, when I bought my first house in, in Scottsdale, back about seven or eight years ago, yeah, I can't tell you how many people I lost from the church over that, over me purchasing a home. Because people in the church usually have the idea is that, Lord, we'll keep him poor and you keep him humble. No, he'll be humble because you made him poor. You, you know, you don't need to think about that. But, but remember, what, what are you going to do with the verse that says that you never muzzle the ox when he's treading out the grain? You never touch the ox when he's working. He's working for you, saving your kids Saving your silly marriage because you act like a jerk. All day, every day, all night, every night. They don't get to shut their phones off. So you never muzzle a person when they're serving you. And, and so what, what, I, what I learned from all of that is this. Is that you need to prepare for when your days of service are, are complete. One of my, one of our friends that came up last night and I got to pray with, he talked about how that he needed to go back to work. An older gentleman needed to go back to work with deep respect. A man that is in that, at that particular age does not need to be going back to work for two reasons. Number one, someone should be caring for him. That's number one. But number two, just remember, when he goes back to work, because old people don't have anything else to do, so they're not calling in sick. They're not going to be late for work. They're going to push their carts and welcome everybody as, as they walk into Walmart <laughs> better than anybody else could. So they're now keeping a job that's going to belong to somebody else. And we're keeping the younger people from prospering because they think that when they come into the work market, that they're going to come in at over 100K to start. They're coming out of school. People are coming out of school with uh, in between $100,000 and $200,000 in debt and getting a $48,000 a year job. What does that mean? They will never be out of debt. Never. And the interest on those loans are, is so high, you're only paying the interest. You're not really ever paying the principal. And so what you do is you, you start with your obedience to God. You, you then go on to you listening to the Holy Spirit. Then you go on to this verse. If you can give me that back again one more time. He said, let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, and, and this was the part that changed my life. For God loves, he takes pleasure in. God takes pleasure in. Can you imagine, how could God ever take pleasure in a person who says that God doesn't want you to prosper? 
But now notice what he takes pleasure in. And he prizes above other things, but he is unwilling to abandon. That was the part of the verse. Unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful and prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. That was it for me. That God, God himself, he would not abandon me. Why? I was abandoned. I don't want to be abandoned. Hey, I'll be the giver. Don't look to nobody else. Do it right here. Well, yeah, but we need to build a hospital. It's okay. Give me the money. I'll, I'll pay for the hospital. We'll put your name on it. God's house. Just give me the money. I'll do it for you. I will do it. Well, who's going to go for me? Then said he, I will go. So you come to the point to where every, every level of your life needs, it needs obedience to it. Because God is taking you through, through areas of life that you don't really know anything about. So it needs obedience. It's like, it's like you being in the army on the front lines somewhere. And you know as a soldier, the thing you do is that you obey instructions. But how about the guy when the, when the sergeant, when the staff sergeant says, everybody down! And one guy goes, what'd you say? What just happened to that guy? He got shot. He's dead. What happens to the Christian? You, you know there's something about God? He doesn't care about your victimization. He don't care. Only men care about that stuff. Anything that men care about that God doesn't, I don't even care. I want to know what God thinks about it, and that's what we're going to do. Give me another question before I keep talking. Oh, can you explain a little bit that 2 Corinthians 9, 7? What would you like to know? I liked what you told me, how you said being part of what God was doing in the earth with your giving. Everything God was doing, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. That's what I meant. There's the answer. That's what I meant. Next question, please. And next question. Yeah, and that was so good. And actually, within that, you answered actually like a lot of questions that people had. So I hope if you yeah, I took up a lot of the time that people awesome. had too. Well, so. here's here's a question that um, that someone had. They said, "How do you manage your finances biblically if you have a spouse?" who has not been taught or is unwilling to do things like tithe, give offerings, how, how do you handle that? It depends on if it's a man or a woman. Um, what do you do when you have a spouse that doesn't agree with you serving God, really? In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 12, um, you can begin there if you would. Give me 1 Corinthians 7. Let's start with verse number 12. Um, how are we doing? Okay. Okay, in verse 12, he said, but to the rest. In verse number 11, all he said was in verse 11 was, look, he said, as far as God is concerned, you know, you know, don't you guys be messing around. If you get married, you know, divorce is a permission. It's not a suggestion. It's a permission. 
because of the hardness of people's hearts. So if you remember how Jesus looked at it. So he said, but, but even if she does um, depart, let her remain unmarried or else let her be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now notice here, he says verse 12. He said, now, now if you just believe these couple verses, you're going you're gonna to end up wrong. So just don't cry or anything or run out of the room. But to the rest, I, but, but to the rest, I, he said, I'm saying, he said, it's not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. You see, God cares more about, he cares more about your obedience to him than he cares about your marriage. We have placed marriage above a person's walk with God. What happens if your husband says, look, I want you to be a hooker? I mean, I've had women do this stuff. I want you to be a hooker. So she goes out and she starts hooking. And she says, well, you know, God told me that I need to obey my husband. Really? You're going to obey your husband. You're going to disobey God. The, the, the whole idea of this, and whoever asked this question, whether you're here or not, that the whole idea is God wants you to build a life that makes walking with him a pleasure and not a chore. It's good. And that includes with who you marry. Say, well, yeah, but I got saved after I was married. We are both burnouts. Well, um, then maybe you understand that the person that you are now isn't the person that got married. Maybe you begin to understand that. And this, this is only determined by how committed you really are. And whenever you do any of these kinds of things, you need to understand how that you do them in secret. Many times you have to obey God, even in secret. So if you have a spouse that does not agree with you tithing, then and it's your money, let's, let's say that this is a man. And the man says, well, God wants us to tithe. And the woman said, well, we can't. We we can't, we got bills, we got whatever. And you just say, look, I love you. I'm going to tell you something. The first thing we're going to do in this house is we're going to, we are going to serve God. So you need to get your rear end out of bed because we're going to church. And you need to take them little, you know, those little papooses and you need to put them in order. And his, this is what time we're leaving. And she says, well, screw you. I'm not doing that. You say, okay, and tomorrow she can get a letter from an attorney. How serious are you about serving God? Stop holding marriage higher than you hold your salvation. Mm. You know, listen, people are not being prepared for marriage by their parents anymore. So you, when, you get, when you get married, you're marrying somebody that the world taught how to be married. So now let's say it's a, it, it's a wife. It will be very difficult for you to be able to do it. But let's say that you get an allowance out of the finances, which means, and he says to you, okay, here's $400 this week for groceries. But you're able to get it done for $280. You had $400 for groceries. It means you got $120. 
out of the 120, God wants 12 bucks. Why is it? Because the tithe is, the, is, not, is not paid protection. The tithe isn't something you owe God. The tithe is proof that everything you are belongs to God. Everything you are belongs to God. Now, the New Testament is different in this way. Is that the New Testament does not even have a question about a person's tithe. But Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter uh, 23, I believe, where he said this, he said, you tithe, 23, 23, actually, you tithe of the mint and the anise and the cumin of your garden and you omit the weightier matters of the law, righteousness, mercy, and justice. He said, these things you ought to have done, righteousness, mercy, and justice. Somebody says, see, the tithe isn't there anymore. No, and then Jesus said, and not left the other undone. Hebrews chapter 7, the entire chapter is all about the priests that were still on the earth, who they, the men that are here, receive tithes, but there he receives tithes. So when you tithe, you're not tithing to a person anymore. You're, you are tithing to God. That's the reason why you never, ever have an opinion about what goes on with the money inside the church, ever. It's not your business. Because if you ever looked at it, you wouldn't understand it anyway. Well, yeah, but why, but why do you think that, you know what, his wife has had some, a lot of new dresses lately. Well, you know, maybe, maybe he's actually buying her dresses to get her to feel that her, her actually sacrificing her entire life and time away from her kids is, is really worthwhile. And so you're going to take that away from her because you didn't get a new dress. Well, that's really kind of dependent upon the old man that you got. If he doesn't think you're worth flowers or worth dresses or worth extra money in your pocket, then that's between you and him. Well, yeah, but he's, he's a pretty hard man. Well, you know what? He just needs to get saved. You know, even people that go to church still need to get saved. There are, some of you, there are some people that treat people in a horrible fashion. Man, you ought to be whipped. Your mama didn't, did, she did not spank you enough. You don't treat people like that, especially you men. What are you doing? You're acting more like a woman than even the women that you have in your life act like a woman. She's acting like a man. Why? Because she's having to be, having to be the one that makes the decisions. Well, I don't care what she does. I don't care. She do whatever. I don't care. Well, you know what? Okay. Okay. And guess what you get to do? You get to stay home. You get to stay home and you get to make, you get to make cupcakes for everybody. Ask another question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going way out there. You need to help me. All right. Um, this is a great question. Um, why, and this was asked a couple of times, so why is it that you see people who are unrighteous, ungodly, and they're prospering, but you see so many people who are righteous, who are saved, and they're struggling even when they're tithing and things like that? Because the gospel has two sides. It has the person of Jesus and the principles of Jesus, right? 
The person of Jesus creates your peace. The principles of Jesus create your prosperity. Remember Proverbs 4.7. Proverbs 4.7 says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all you're getting, with all of that wisdom that you're getting, you get understanding. You need to know how to do this. Not just to do it. I want God to, I want God to see me obedient. Not. Not just willing. But, but here's, a th here's another problem people have. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 19, the Bible says, And if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. And you know the reason why that many people don't get stuff? Because they're obedient, but they're not willing. It's good. They're not willing to prosper. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, you don't have to do that for me. Oh, no, that's, okay. You're not willing to prosper. You have to be willing. Liz? Does that answer that for you? Because, because people in the world follow the principles of Jesus, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Yeah. That's right. But people in the church want to follow Jesus, but they don't want to rule in the world. It's good. Remember that, what is, what is it? Uh, I, I believe it's uh, Revelation eleven fifteen. Can you put that up and I'll tell you if it's right. Okay, here it is. In, in, the, in the scriptures, there's, there's an argument and there's a war in the book of Revelation, right? It's, and he, they were brought down to the place that was called Armageddon. So here, they come to this point, point, and he says, the kingdoms of this world, this voice speaks out and says, Loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Verse 16. He said, and the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, because the kingdoms have finally become God's. But let me ask you this. Does God, is God a thief? Does he ever ask you for anything that doesn't belong to him already? Okay. Then how about the fact that if God were to take the kingdoms from the lost and turn them over to the saved, wouldn't that be stealing? Well, how about the wealth of the sinners laid up for the righteous? How about that? But it's not laid up for the righteous who do nothing. That's the reason why he said, and to him who has, it shall be given. But to him who has not, even that which he hath shall be taken from him. Okay. So God does not take it from the foolish believer and give it, and give it to the wise unbeliever. You and I have to own the corporations before we can give them back to Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, that sounds really good. Can you give me some popcorn, Mabel? And one more old style. 
Oh, you know, I'm still drinking Bud Light. Why? Because people don't understand that this kingdom is out there for you and for your taking. You have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you're only asking to get rid of the pressures of your life. You need to start asking God for something that's going to benefit someone else other than you. It's good. It's really good. I like that. Um, you know, you're talking about kind of differentiating. You, know, you talked about a little bit about tithing, but talk a little bit about sowing. A little bit about what? Uh, you talked about it, it, tithing. This is booming up here, guys. I can't hear. You talked a little bit about tithing. Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, offerings and sowing, like the difference between the regular tithe and then in a situation where you're sowing a seed or sowing an offering or a specific right. seed. Well, your tithe is, your tithe is, your tithe, what does the word tithe mean? Tenth, right? Okay, so you know. I mean, you know what you know what that is. So okay, that means that the first ten percent, the first ten percent that comes in to your life, that first ten percent is cut off because it doesn't belong to you. You are making a sacrifice of it. You are circumcising the money that you get every time that it comes into your home. When a hundred dollars comes in. Ten, $10 of it goes right in a drawer. It's going to church on Sunday morning. That's just it. It's just the way it is. Now, that, that means that 90, that $90 that's left out of that 100 belongs to you, but it's different now than it was when it was 100 because God can do more with your, with your blessed $90 than he could ever do with a cursed 100. Okay, So your tithe actually is right there. But now, after that, friends, that tithe actually puts meat in God's house. This is where he opens the windows of heaven and pours something out. But now, pouring it out, what does he pour out? Well, we know that it says a blessing, but how about if the only thing that you ever sowed in your life was Argument, discouragement, hatred, control, manipulation, trying to chip a little bit off at your job, go in late, leave early a little bit, and you're wondering why you didn't get a promotion. That's why, that's why Proverbs 22, 29 says, do you see a man who's excelling in his work? If you're excelling in your work, you'll stand before royalty. He said, you won't stand before unknown men. This, this verse didn't come to all fruition until the first, the first royalty that I ever spoke in front of. And uh, your knees knock, you kind of like, you, because when you go to these foreign nations, you don't understand the protocol. The protocol means a lot because some nations, you walk in front of the king because they're going to keep their eye on you. Some nations, you walk behind the king because you're not better than him. You have to know what, where you are 
and, and who you're dealing with. But then your seed, you can decide what you want. You decide your entire life the moment that you get seed in your hand. Your, your tithe does not mean a thing. Your tithe is only a declaration that you have a, you have a covenant with God. That's your, that's your tithe. Your offering is your seed. Now you get to sow the kind of seed that you want. You get to sow it where you want. And you get to sow it when you want. So remember Mark chapter 12, and John touched on it, but and I realize I'm shooting a lot at you guys, okay? So forgive me, but that's just me. And so in Mark chapter 12, there was this little widow woman, and Jesus, like he, like he said, and it was true, that, and he kind of ended here, so I'll tell you the story. That this, this woman, she was in the temple, and Jesus went to church. He went to church. He didn't go to church because he wanted to hear the preaching. He didn't go. He did not go to church because he loved the praise and worship. He went to church to see how people gave their offerings to God. How do they do it? Never forget this, friends. This is, this is all part of this. God is very ceremonial. Everything God does, he does with a ceremony. It, God makes it a big deal. He said, and I was lifted up, and I saw the Lord, and I was lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the, and the angels that were flying around the temple, running into the walls, crying out, holy, 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 and here's God's train. God is very ceremonial. Everything he does, he wants to be courted and wants to be romanced. We enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter his courts, the next level. We enter his courts with what? Now, not thanksgiving, not with a shut mouth. You never run at your giant with your mouth shut. You open your mouth and you say, I, I will. What did, it, what did the book of Psalms say about Jesus? I will talk to my brothers about God my Father, and together we will sing his praises. I'll do that. That's what we're going to do. And so your seed, you got 90 bucks. All of a sudden, you think, man, you know, kids need a school. They need shoes. It's 90 bucks, and it's not going to get one pair for anybody. I have five kids. What am I going to do? Sew it. All of it. All of it. Get rid of it. If it's not enough to meet your needs, remember, it's not. It's good. It's not, it's not you meeting your needs. It's now you. It proves itself to you that it's not your harvest. It's your seed. That's so good. It's your seed, not your harvest. So you take the other things that you have and you say, okay, you know what I'm looking forward to? My, my first million dollars that I give away. I'm looking forward to it. A guy 
who grew up in a home where we didn't have, even have bread. I'm going to give a million dollars away. Well, well, somebody helped you. You never got, you know what, even in the negative things that you feel right now, somebody helped you get there too. I'm just choosing who's going to help me. Okay. So it's what you have in your hand that creates your future. Remember this. Whatever God placed in your hand is what he has given you. Everything, i say it like this, everything that you need in your future is in your life right now. You don't know what it is. It may be like that pencil that I broke in half and said I'll never be poor again because I never was and I never will be. Why? Because of me? Oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Had nothing to do with me. I wish I could say I did any of it. I was smart. Uh, I'm not smart. I'm smart enough to listen. That's all I need to do. Because you never ever attempt to walk in an area of life without ever walking in the steps of someone that has already walked there. You understand that? That's big. Pastor, you get that? Let's go ahead. Chris? Like, okay, so say they want to sow into specific things. Cars produce cars. Houses produce houses. How do they go about doing that? Well, at first, I mean, <clears throat> you, if you don't have a car to give away. What you do is that you actually name your seed. Because remember, remember what Moses said. He said, see, I've said before you this day, life and death and blessing and cursing, but this is what you choose. You choose life. You name your seed. This is my car seed. Well, how, do it, how does any seed get named? Somebody looks at it and says, okay, these are pumpkin seeds. Got it. So what do I do? Okay, with a pumpkin, I sow this many seeds in order to, to get a pumpkin vine. Okay. But over here, I want there to be broccoli, carrots. You do the same thing with money. Now, it takes time for you to learn how to do that outside of the church. Because people will deceive you, they will trick you, and they will promise things to you. So you don't do it outside the church for some time. Once you begin to understand it, you can begin, you can begin to venture out of that. You understand what I'm saying? But for now, you're sowing your seed for a car. I can't tell you how many cars I've given away. Can't tell you. And I would give away new ones. I, I just, it's just easier. That doesn't break your heart every time you do it. You know? so it's like, oh God, I don't want to do this. No, it's like, I, look, look, God, I want to do this. Why is it? Because I know that he, remember my verse? Mm -hmm. Put that verse up again, will you please? Second Corinthians 9, 7. That, remember my verse where he says, there, uh, nope, the other, the other translation, Amplified, Amplified, the first version. The first version of the Amplified, please. <coughs> okay. Notice what he said there. 
he takes pleasure in. You know why I did it? I wanted God to be pleased. I don't want to just be pleased, have God pleased just with, you know, him just loving me because Jesus paid the price for me. I want to have, I want to have the same attitude in me, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. I want, remember John chapter 8 says, when Jesus was asked about this very thing, he said, for I always do those things which please my father. So I wanted to do something that pleased my father. I didn't, I wasn't just looking for a car. But you know what? People don't care about ministers. That's why I do. I do. I took my money and I started caring for people, not for projects, not for organizations, not for fixing up the church building. So beautiful. But fixing up the church building. I don't care about that. You guys can do that because there are some people in life that will never give in to a person. So I spent my time giving in to people. I only care about people. Why? God cares about people. So I don't care about organizations. So it's that if all of a sudden, if pastor is raising money for the building, I don't come up with my offering. I don't come up and give it to the church building. I hold it outside of the offering and I go up to pastor and I said, pastor, please, I just want to sow this into you, into you, because I know who you are. I know what you do. And I'm so grateful because nobody cares. But I do. Because God does. And if God does, then I do. I'm supposed to feed the homeless and the orphans. He never told me about building orphanages, and I have. He never said that. But I'll tell you what, I'm interested in those people who do that, who do that, who go to orphanages and who build, who, who work, who live in those, those countries. Because if you do, Who's God going to call on to be able to meet the needs of that guy's family when his life is wrecked and he has no money to be able to take care of his own family, but he's trying to take care of them kids? So you take your time. You please God. And that was the way that it changed my life. That's awesome. Should we do one more question? Next question. Yeah, I one mean, more I'll take question. as many as you want. It's early. But these guys want to go home. So if you want to just sit Let's do one more. Question. And this is this is going to be a great question because it's subjective, but I think I think you'll have a wonderful answer for us. Um, hasn't this been good? Have you guys gotten something out of this tonight? You can applaud. It's okay. 
<laughs> Give honor where honor is due. And honestly, I don't care. <laughs> now, I love you. I just don't care. Um, what is your definition of a blessed life? Well, why do you ask me these essay questions all the time? I, I um. Psalm chapter 112. Can you put that up for me, please? Psalm 112. There's no one in there. He's there? Okay. Can you put up Psalm 112 for me? Start with verse number one. Psalm 112. You can go there if you have your Bible. You can go there just as well. Um, Psalm 112. He said, blessed is the man. Are we good? Okay, blessed is the man who walks. No, that's Psalm 1. Psalm 112, please. 112. Okay. 112. He said, praise the Lord. The name, of this, the name of this psalm is called the praise the Lord psalm. That's the name of this. That's what the psalmist named it. And it says, praise the Lord. He said, blessed is the man who fears the Lord who delights greatly in his commandments. His seed, or his descendants, this is what it says here, but the actual uh, word for it is his prodigies, his, his offspring, his seed is mighty on the earth. Notice there that he said that your kids are going to be mighty on the earth. He said that. This is something you need to pray for for your children. He said, your seed will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Verse 3. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4. He said, Unto the upright there arises a light in the darkness. He's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Verse 5. He said, A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Okay, so the blessed life is really, um, if you take it out and multiply it through the words and its definitions, Psalm 112 will get that for you. But let me give you something that I think that Liz was asking. A blessed life is a balanced life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number one says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. He doesn't want you putting so much time into one thing that something else ends up dying in neglect of it. So the balance has to do with when I begin to act according to the scriptures, that means that the rest of my family is going to benefit from me doing that. I can take no time off, ever, till the day I pass away. I will not have a day off. Hell doesn't take a day off, neither does God, and so neither do I. That is just the way it is. Well, yeah, but don't you, don't you really want to go away? No, let me get the money to be able to pay for you to go. I'll meet you there after I deal with the devil a little more. But I'll pay for it, so you guys just get over there and enjoy it. So, so the first thing has to do with your walk with God. Now, remember this. 
I told you that everyone in here has a relationship with God. Every person you see every day has a relationship with God. Because without a relationship with God, they wouldn't be breathing. If they didn't have a relationship with God, how could he send them to the place of their choosing at their death? They have a relationship with God. Some have rejected or denied or declined their relationship with God. And thus, they're, they're getting what they believe. Look, I don't want anything to do with God. God said, okay, you can have it. That's the way the earth acts towards you. Man, I'm blessed. My kids are blessed. Everybody is happy. Everybody is doing so good. This is absolutely so awesome. So guess what shows up in your life? My kids are so blessed. My wife is happy. Everything is absolutely beautiful. And oh, by the way, our bank accounts are filled. We go over $250,000 in every one of the banks that we have. That's what I say. Because blessed only has to do with words. To the Hebrews, you have to understand it's the word navar. And to them, words and things are the same word. So, the, so they don't have any problems with financial prosperity. You don't either. You live better than 97% of people on the face of the earth. What are you talking about? Then you're going to sit here and talk to me about money? Take a, you need to start going and seeing some people that can't eat. Mm. You need to go to Africa into certain places where they're chasing a Cheerio down the street. The stuff you throw away is the stuff that they forage for or they, they look for in the garbage cans at night. Now you can see where the heart of God goes. That's, a God, that's his creation. My creation does not beg. You understand that every time a child is born in the world, $17 million more of assets are discovered? Because God never created a human being that he's not willing to pay for. Never. When you have kids, God's willing to pay for them. He said, I created them. You helped, and I'm going to give you the money for them. Good. And that goes through, that balance goes through every part of your life, your spiritual life, your physical life, your financial life, your career life, that balance. Now, there's always going to be seasons when you're going to have to work more. You're going to have to sow more into your career, and you're going to have to explain that to your wife, that you have to sow more in your career right now in order to be able to create the life for, for her and for the children that you've wanted to do that. Because women don't understand this about men. Men are providers. We live to provide. Well, what do you do for fun? Fun? I create fun. I don't have fun. I create fun. I don't. Somebody says, well, what do you like to do? I like to work. <laughs> What do you like? You know, you go on the beach. I, I go. I can go on vacation for two days. Well, really, one and a half. I I use the first day to get there, and the second day I can live for about a half, but for about a half a day, trying to prove to my wife that I'm really relaxing. <laughs> Don't tell Linda any of this. The, um, but I want to go back to work. 
Because when I work is when I feel God. I feel him in my bones. Sitting here, that's like, you know, Brother John, I mean, Pastor didn't tell you, but John said a little bit about it, but he wasn't coming. He was not coming here. I got a call on Thursday night at 1040 that we were not getting him on Friday morning. And I said, oh, God, isn't this going to be something? Yeah. I love that. Well, after you pastored for 40 years, you've gotten a few calls that have said, listen, I'm not coming. And you, you're, here you are. Praise and worship is going on. And then the person, how about it? Then the person says, well, I ain't coming here. I don't believe wants me, God wants me to come. I said, I don't care what God said. You're, because the God you're listening to isn't the God that told you to come here in the beginning. Because Liz even mentioned something today about how that this person was asking her to come and preach somewhere. And when they were asking her to come, and she said, well, let me check my schedule. And she said, you don't need to check your schedule. God would not have asked me to have you come to this if you had to check your schedule. So Brother John wasn't coming. He had a cyst behind his knee that, he, that had popped, that he didn't know popped, but it ended up showing some blood around his ankles. So he was in the hospital when they text me. He was there. Put him on the phone. You're a healed man. You do what you feel you need to, but you're healed. You ain't, you're, not, you're not going now. No way. I'll keep you alive even if you don't want to be alive. You're going to have to get God to ask me permission to have you die. You ain't dying. I don't want your job. That's it. You got to keep doing your job. So he wasn't coming. But throughout all of that time, that's someone that you have that's committed to doing what you guys needed. And that, that's the person I know. That's the guy I know. Um, you have another question? Yes, one or did last I question. I not finish that one. I mean, I think that was Sometimes great. I get off on something. I don't talk about Fruity Pebbles or something. Well, I like Fruity Pebbles. It's good. No, I, like, it, I like the shoes, the Fruity Pebbles shoes. You like those? Oh, yeah, I do. Really? Well, they're kind of cool. Um, the I last. Chocolate shoes, too. Really? Everyone's like, what? Just have fun. It's just, just to have fun, right? Everyone's all serious. I mean, I'm just telling you what I'm thinking. That's the question. I love it. Okay. <laughs> so, ladies, ladies, if your husband actually, if you ask him, somebody just kind of says, oh, I like Fruity Pebbles. Just just remember, it, it, when you ask him what he's thinking, he's thinking about Fruity Pebbles. The he's shoes a, no, are the he doesn't have another thought. He goes to work. He works. He enjoys it. It's great. He comes home. He wants to eat. And he wants everybody in the house happy. Man. That's all he wants. He just wants to make sure that everybody's happy when we go in here. That's it. I don't want any enemies in my house all day long. You keep the house free from all the demonic influence, and I'll come home and you can and you can sit here and you can tell me how great of a man that I am and show me what dresses I bought for you today. That's it. I just want a fashion show. You're not too tired for a fashion show, darling. When I go. 
the la we got the last one. It's what's good. Why does this have to be the last? Well, one? we can give you five more. I got a. I'm staying up all night here. I'm right loving this. Okay, how about if we go to nine o'clock? All right, that's good. Okay, nine o'clock. Okay, hey, it's only fourteen minutes, guys. All right, just Four relax. Just, I mean, I had some people going. <laughs> you guys need to learn this stuff, especially your relevant crew. You stay here to midnight. No, nine o'clock. What's what's good? What's good ground to sow in? And a long time ago, you said something to me. I asked these questions. I was I was kind of like these guys asking questions. How do I increase? And you said you sow up, you sow down. Isaiah, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter forty four. Verse number one. Number one, I think. But Ezekiel 44 says, um, do you guys want to give me that? Ezekiel 44, verse number one. I hope it's Ezekiel 44. There's a lot of verses in that book, you know. I just keep just throwing out numbers and hoping that we can grab on us. <laughs> okay. See? Told you, that's not the one. Um, I'm on verse 22. Oh, maybe 30. You know what? Forget about it. Ezekiel 44, 30. That's right. Is that the right one? Thank you, Pastor. See, the smart guy, he showed, he, you know, we have no trouble helping each other when we're up here doing this kind of stuff. Amen. Ezekiel 44, verse number 30. Notice how it says, the, the best of all fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifices shall be the priests. So the tithe of every sacrifice really, really belongs to the minister as far as God is concerned. Now, some guys actually do this, but most guys do not because of the IRS regulations and things. But some guys do this. Notice he says, all the sacrifices shall be the priest. Also shall you, you shall give to the priest the first of your ground meal, and then it'll cause a blessing to come on your house. Now that's rough with uh, King James. But let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying this. He said that you bring your meal to the, to the priest that he may cause the blessing of God to come down on your house. I want the blessing of God on my house. And if the Bible says that if I bring my, my seed to the priest, that he's going to cause the blessing, then I'm bringing it. Because he's going to cause the blessing of God to come on my house. You have to remember, ministers have none of this power on their own. And it doesn't matter whether you like the minister or whether you don't. Get that inside your head. It doesn't matter. It's the position that God gave him that's blessed, not him. That's a position. Same thing with the government. God put in the, the government. He didn't put the people in the government. You voted them in. You got them because you wanted them. Because some of y'all are Democrats. I love you, but you're liberal. Liberalism, and this is just my opinion, it's not a professional opinion, it's a personal opinion that you're hearing from me now, is that liberalism is a mental disorder. And the reason why it is, is because it actually is a, it is an emotional Robin Hood 
of where you take it from the man who earns it and you give it to the man who never would. Okay? That's the reason why that he's not, God is very forward about you actually feeding people who won't work. How in the world are you going to, you know, people come into the country and they think, oh, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to have all of these, all these people to do jobs the Americans don't want to do. You know, do you understand that a person comes into the country and even the people in, in Lahaina, in, after all of that stuff, of wherever that fire came from, with all of that, all that stuff of that fire, do you understand that the people that come into America today from the southern border are paid by your government more money than the people that have been paying taxes in Lahaina are getting for losing their entire house and lifestyle. That Because we voted for it. This is what we voted for. And this is what the mental disorder is, is that you're willing to love people more than the people that God told you to love. Well, doesn't God want us to take care of people? Not them. And you have to understand that people can become, it's like people on the street. I used to give an offering to anybody that was on the street holding a sign, need some money, need whatever. I've been, I'm this veteran. I'm all this stuff. Until I start finding out what kind of shoes they're wearing, what kind of pants they're wearing, what kind of bike they're riding off from the corner when they're leaving. Hey, you find these guys, are riding, they're riding on a, on a $3,000 electric bike as they, they fold up their sign and leave the corner. But every woman receives an offering because they are already at a place where they're at somewhat of a disadvantage in life because they were created to be helpers. They weren't created to be visionaries. God created them to... Now, here, here it is. You have sex, right? You got sex. You have sex. And when you have sex, you have sex, the guy ejaculates, you get pregnant. He gave you nothing but liquid. What did you do? You created a baby. And you brought back the baby. Can't you see how important you are to the entire process of it all? But, you're, but remember, you're a support. When God created, remember, Genesis chapter 2 was not talking about marriage, where he said that, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. Who said that? It's not good for man to be alone. Did Adam say it or did God? God said it. So God was the one who actually created the one who disobeyed God's principles of protocol and went and started fellowshipping with the devil. Fellowship with the devil. Guess what? So the guy wanted, he didn't want to lose his wife. So what did he do? Everything she said. And when he did what she said, then God said, look, the earth is cursed because of you. So men, your family is cursed because of you. 
not because of somebody else. Become, become the king. Become the king in your home. And that doesn't mean that you walk around with a scepter because it means that you serve. Jesus said it like this, the greatest among you is the servant of all of you. But that does not mean that what I do is I ask you, honey, can I get you a cup of coffee? What can I do for you? No, that isn't what he said. What he said was, when you go out to work every day, you be faithful over little. I'll put you in charge over much. Because when you're doing that, you're doing that for them kids you got. You planted a seed in that woman, and now you got to take care of those kids. Because they will never, ever be able to, to exceed your abilities as a father. They're going to have to have somebody else as their father. Thus, Ephesians 6.1. Children, be obedient unto your parents in the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. What happened? This was written at a time where their families were broken so apart that God had to give people a new set of parents. That's why that's called spiritual parents. And where do you gain greater wisdom from? You can choose, gentlemen, if you want your children to be going somewhere else to find out how to live life, my, my father, my mother, never taught me one thing of benefit in my entire life. My father never told me that he loved me. My father was a very silent man. I grew up, and just probably 10 years ago, I decided that my father had to be a better man than I remember him to be. He had to be. I didn't say I didn't love my parents, but how about if we just kind of like tell the truth and shame the devil about stuff? Oh, I, I would never say that because we come into church and we don't. people don't tell the truth in church. You want to find a liar? You find him in church. People don't tell the truth. That's like, that's like during a healing meeting. You know, you ever hardly find it. A lot of people don't want to ask for testimonies during healing meetings. Why? Because either A, there are none, or B, people might bring up, well, you know, I kind of got half my healing, but I didn't get the rest. But what about when Jesus had the guy who was sick and he was blind? When he was blind, and he said, what do you see? He said, I, I see men walking his trees. Mm. That might be pretty good. You might want to walk with that for a while. But, but Jesus then prayed for him again. And he said, what about now? He said, I see all things clearly now. Because there was finally somebody in church who wanted to tell the truth. See, out there in the world, I don't have any problems getting people healed. I only have problems getting people healed in church. People in the world, man, they're looking for God to help them. Oh, God, help me. People are coming to church. They think that they've got to have an act. To go on. Have another question? You're the question lady. No. Okay. How about if? How about if? Does anybody out in the crowd have a question? Well, that's a good one. I don't ask. I, I, I'm not asking for a comment. I'm not asking for you to tell me <laughs> how bad you feel about me talking about liberalism. Just don't. You know, I, I don't want to do that. It's, it's just my opinion. I've never met. Yes, ma'am. 
Can can we get someone with a microphone? You, a mic. can you, you don't want you don't want a mic? Well, yeah, but the other people can't hear you. That's what I'm saying. Well, I have a, um, I have a son who, whose family moved from California to Arizona last year, and they needed to be able to stay with us for a couple months while they were looking for a place. During that particular time, my son, um, my son was the ministry director for all of uh, Brian Houston, the Hillsong Church ministry. That's my boy. And... Um, you know, of course, Brian's, all of Brian's stuff hit the fan earlier this year in 2023. So everybody lost their job except my son because he was at the top. And, um, and finally, he lost his job just as well. So here it is. They're living in my house. And he doesn't have a job. Right now he has a job. He works for Charlie Kirk. Now. But um, he, he had a job, didn't have a, then didn't have a job. And, and uh, while he was there, um, his wife walked out on him while I was in our home, in my home. Now, you know, Actually, I, I am the best Christian counselor I've ever met. And I look for them. Because if somebody's good, they're good. And I was never called upon by her for anything. They've been married 15 years. She has never had one conversation with me one time in 15 years. She walked out on him. She walked out on him. Now he's going through a divorce. You know, girls, you know this. When girls, when girls get a divorce, man, they when they see something, when they see money in a the bag, they go for it. One fellow said, one fellow said, he said, you know, he said, he said, you know what I found out about women? He said they're like they're like hurricanes. He said that they come in. They, they're during all this wind and all of this stuff happens. And when they leave, they leave with your house and you with your car. And this girl leans over to him and she says to him, she said, and yeah, I'm leaving with all your money too. Because that's the way that America has set up the legal system. So girls are actually better off not being married. So they, so this lady is looking for 60 plus percent of his income. She's never had a job. So do you take care of your kids? Yeah, you do. And your grandkids too. They will never ever think that anything ever happened. They will never suffer a day. They will be put through Christian education all the way through college. They'll be taken care of. They'll be given, each will be given a couple hundred thousand, three, four, four, five hundred thousand dollars a piece when I pass. My kid will be given millions because, you know, the blessing of God is generational. 
So when you see somebody riding down the street that's saying, um, look at me, I'm spending my child's inheritance. What a gunky you know, that would say something like that. I'm just spending it all. I'm not giving my kids anything. You know what? That's, that's not what God, that's not what God ever wanted. If you want to know what it is to have nothing. You know, I used to have to get into a, into a tub. I would get in a tub that was filled with bleach with my clothes on so I could get them clean. I understand when you have no money. I go through, I would go through hotels and stop in the hallways and pick up the food that people left on their plates after they got done eating. Don't tell me I don't know or I didn't face off with some of the stuff people face off with. I do. And I don't forget where I came from. And I know where I am. So do you take care of your kids, ma'am? Yes, you do. You take care of them. You don't, you don't ever stop. You just don't become manipulated by them. Because they manipulated you the whole time they were growing up. They were trying to learn a way to get around you forever. They found the way. But now, after they're here at this particular point, you took care of them when they were in diapers. They will take care of you if you ever need one. They'll, they will stop and pick up a, a, a package of Depends just for you. When I bought, I was telling you about the first house I bought in, in Arizona. That I asked the man, I said, Mr. Uh, Mr. Harris, Mr. Harris, owned all the May stores in the southern part of the, of the nation. That was who he was. Well, that was nothing. The guy I bought the last house from, he was the inventor of Afrosheen, Mr. George Johnson. What a guy. 94 years old, tough, tough as nails, man. Tough as nails. Had a Bentley in the garage when I bought the house, and I said, well, um, <clears throat> listen, I want the Bentley too. He said, well, yeah, but one of the kids wants it, you know. I said, well, does that mean that I don't get it? He said, well, the kids get it. <laughs> you don't get it. What a great guy. But the first guy, Mr. Harris, I asked him, I said, um, Mr. Harris, your house is beautiful. Why are you selling your house? And he said, Rob, he said, uh, and I got to know the people I was buying the house from. He said, Rob, he said, I'm 85 years old. He said, I know someday I'm going to probably need a little bit of assistance in living. He was 85. His wife was 71. It was, you know, his second one, I guess. And, and he said, I know that someday that I'm going to need extra help. And this is what he said. He said, and I don't want to leave that decision to my children. I don't want my kids to have to live with the memory of putting me away. He said, I'll do it. And he put himself away. My wife has a set of parents. Her mom is 93. Her dad will be 97 in about a month. 
and they don't want to go to get help. So my wife flies to Chicago every few weeks and her brothers and sisters kind of take turns to, to just try to help out. But wouldn't it be easier if her mom and dad just kind of moved with us? Maybe we should have done that about 25 years ago. But that's the reason why a generational blessing is so important. When most of the brothers and sisters that you have are going to walk away from your mother and father, you never do. You take care of your parents. You take care of your parents because Ephesians 6, verse number 2. Can you give me that verse, please? Ephesians 6, 2. He said, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3. He said that it may be well with you and you would live long upon the earth. Why? Because you honored your parents. Amen. My mother asked me one time, she said, do you love me? I said, Mom, I, I love you. I love you so much. I do, Mom. I love you. She said, but you don't like me. I said, no, Mom, I don't. I don't like you. I said, the life I had, I don't like you. But I love you, Mom. I will always take care of you. I don't care what source of anything that you were in my life, but I just don't have the emotion that I need. But I will take care of you. And she always lived with new cars and new homes until she passed away. Always. And then I sold her house and gave the money away. Because I wanted nothing. I want nothing from anyone. I only want what God wants me to have. And one of the greatest, and we can finish here. Um, one of the greatest Bible teachers in the, in the world. I was walking through a parking lot at, at a mall again. That's all we get to do. The only vice we kind of have, we just love malls. Gives us a chance to walk around. You know, we're not, you know, I haven't been to the pot store yet here. Um, so I don't do that anymore anyway. So that's all gone. <laughs> I mean, so many things are gone out of my life. They're gone out. They're just gone. So I asked that Bible teacher, I said, you think about Proverbs chapter 30. Can you put up Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 8? We'll finish here. But I'll give you the actual rendition of this or the actual uh, translation of it. Here he said, two things I request of you. He said, deprive me not before I die. He said, now remove, let me verse 8, remove falsehood and lies far from me. And give me neither poverty nor riches, but feed me with the food that's allotted to me. Mm. Let me give it to you to where you can understand. I asked the greatest Bible teacher and that I knew in the world. And he said, Solomon, who is who was living under his pen name here, that he 
was going crazy. That's why people think that he was really nuts in the book of Ecclesiastes. Because with wisdom comes a choice of soundness of mind or insanity. Most people that you meet that are very smart border on being insane because they can think of things and see things that the what we consider to be normalized, they can't see. So I asked this guy, what do you think of this? And he said, I think it's, I think it's a, one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen in the scriptures. He said, what do you think about that? I said, on the contrary, sir, I see it differently than you do. He said, well, explain it to me. I said, well, let's go over it. He said, two things I'm requesting of you, God. Don't, don't deny me this in this life. I have to see this. Remove all lies from my life. And take all liars out of my presence. Lest I be full and deny you. And say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Then he said here, he said, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. He said, but the actual thing, what it says is, feed me with the food that you have prescribed for me. God, I don't want anything that you don't want me to have. I want nothing. But I sure, I sure is, is my whole life depends on not one day will go by where I will allow the devil to steal anything out of my life or out of the life of anybody that I know. I'll tell you one story and I'll quit. Okay, this is it. Traveled into South America, into Brazil, and went with, you know, my traveling companion came with me. And I have a Louis Vuitton uh, handbag that I usually take with me uh, wherever I go. So we're getting off the plane. They got this whole entourage that meet us there. Got the people with the guns and the whole da, 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 all of that stuff. And I said, well, you know, you guys get the bags and let me go to the restroom because I was looking at like I was looking at Sugarloaf at the time. And um, and so I said, I'll go to the restroom and you guys just get the bags. I'll be back. So I went to the restroom, you know did my deal so that I could take my ride. And then on the way, uh, on the way back, I, I just, just while well, I had a great time, they had the car loaded, everything was great. And we went off to the hotel. So you, when you go into this hotel, you had to go into this fortress because it had walls around it. You know? And so it was fine, but the, Nobody in Brazil speaks English. They just don't. You know, like French people most often don't speak English either. But 
most other countries you find English speakers in. But this, so this fellow, through his broken English, this evangelist that I'm going to speak for, this really famous guy, he says, um, you know, they want your passport up front. It took an interpreter and the whole deal. They need your passport to check you into the hotel. So I said to my travel assistant, I said, can, can you um, just grab my passport and just take it up to the desk while I have this uh, conversation with this gentleman? And he said, well, um, where's your passport? I'll be happy to take it up. And he said, I said, well, it's in the bag that you have. He said, um, I don't have your bag. I said, uh, you don't have my bag. He said, no, sir, I don't have your bag. I said, um, you know where my bag is if you don't have it. Where is it? He said, uh, um, well, I gave it to you before you went to the restroom in the airport. He said, somebody stole your bag. Then this evangelist, he goes, uh, so the interpreter tells me that this is the number one place in the world for things to be stolen from. You have to, you have to nail them down. You know? and, and I just looked at him and I said to this, to this guy, this evangelist, I said, I'm going to tell you this now. To the assistant, get your rear end back in the, the van. He said, sir, it's over an hour away. I said, I don't care if you have to travel there three days. I said, you get in your get in the van and you have your driver, you have him taken back to the airport. I said, that's where my bag is. Guy says, No. He said, the guy, so the guy tells me, he said, your bag is gone. I, and I look at him, I said, look, the devil doesn't steal anything from me. If he steals from you, I'm okay about it. Because you think he steals. He doesn't steal from me. I don't care. And believe me when I tell you, unless you get out there and start getting very vocal about the devil not stealing from you, he'll steal from you in your silence. And he'll, and he'll rub it in your face in front of every person you know. Mm. How that he got away with stealing something from you. Mm. And there was nothing you could do about it. I said, the devil don't steal nothing from me, mister. You can forget it. I said, get in the car, get over there. Calls me from the airport. It's not in the bathroom. It's gone. I said, I don't care. I said, you need to start walking around the airport. You know what the bag looks like. I said, nobody's got what I have. I said, you start looking. He said, but sir. I said, but sir, me nothing. Get out there and get my bag. Calls me back and says, sir, there's nobody here that has the kind of bag like you have. I said, go to the lost and found. So he keeps me on hold. And he comes back and he says, so there is no lost and found in this airport. I said, they got my bag. He said, 
third. I just met somebody who said that there is a place here. I said, then find it. On the fifth floor, in a corner, in this little office of an airport, he goes in and he says to the guy, he said, do you have a bag that's been turned in that somebody lost? And they said, we have no bag. We have no bag. So he calls me up and he says, we have no bag. I said, that guy is the man that has my bag. Don't let him tell you. He said, but sir, he already told me he doesn't have your bag. I said, he's got my bag. So he goes back to the counter and he said, my boss just told me to tell you that you have his bag. You got his bag. So, okay. So he says to the guy, you got his bag. And he said, well, he said, if I did, what would it look like? He said, well, it would be, you know, a Louis Vuitton handbag. And he said, and what's in it? So he calls me and he said, and what's in it? I said, there's $100,000 worth of watches in there. There's about $1,000 in cash. So I tell him, he tells the guy, there's $100,000 in watches. There's about $1,000 in cash. And all of a sudden, what happens is they got this bag. They handed them the bag. They made me do an affidavit for the bag. It became a legal issue. So he comes back with the bag. The first thing is, the bag's empty, mister. They took everything out of your bag. They may have left the bag, but they took the valuables. That's for sure. I said, look. I said, I'm not going to go through this again. I've already told you, the devil doesn't steal anything from me. Do you understand that? I said, now, I'm not already looking for my apology tour here about how that the devil got me and I'm now not going to say anything. No, I'm telling everybody, the devil doesn't steal anything from me and that's it. Because even if he thought he wanted to, he still has to repay me sevenfold, right? Okay. So, so I get the bag, and in front of my travel assistant, I said, now you watch me. Watch me. That's the reason why you can't get it from just coming to church. Because there's not enough time for Chris to tell you how to do everything. When you first start acting like this, you feel kind of like a fool. But it'll work out. And so I opened up the bag. I showed him $100,000 of watches. Somebody went into the bag and moved it. Then I have this pocket vest Bible that I 
like to use. And the $1,000 was inside the Bible, out of the envelope that I had, and inside the Bible, in the center of the scriptures. The money was there. I said, now listen, son, the devil doesn't steal anything from me. Nothing. Nothing. Get it in your head. Nothing. Until you start treating the devil like he's been treating you. Until you start getting as angry at him as he's been mad at you and your family and your kids. Trying to put disease on everybody that you know. Man, you need to run his rear end out of town. See, I don't mind every once in a while the curse word down. I don't, I'm not a preacher, so I have to watch myself because we're in charge. <laughs> because there are no other words that can actually describe what you're thinking I'm not that saved I haven't worked my whole vocabulary through as of yet you know. but anyway here I am and that was during the time when all you ever do and people used to watch television just so that they can see what I would wear because I really I, I, I like it I like to dress well. So here I am. I got this watch that was in the bag on my wrist. This just this one watch. This was an 18 karat gold Rolex Daytona with a diamond mother of pearl dial that I had. Now to most of us that doesn't mean anything, but there's a few people who know what I'm talking about. So there is about 40 49 $54,000 right here in this piece. And I've got this watch, and we're raising our hands, we're worshiping God, and I'm looking over at my watch. And it's the watch that was stolen for a number of hours. And the Lord speaks to me, and he tells me, I want you to take that watch off your hand and turn around and give it to the evangelist that told you that everything would be stolen. He said, because as far as you're concerned, that watch was already gone. So I went, took the watch off my, everybody's screaming, running around the church, doing the whole deal. And it's, it's amazing because Brazilian people don't start eating until about 11 o'clock at night. So church just goes, they start church at midnight sometimes. It's kind of crazy. We, we have an hour and we think, we're, oh God, is he gonna, when's he going to stop? You know? And that's the reason why that you've seen the moral decline as well as the spiritual decline. Because people aren't sitting in church long enough to be changed. You have to get around the spout where the glory comes out in order to have it hit you. And so, so I go back and I'm, you know, while everybody's screaming and doing whatever, I go back and I'm, I'm handing this to, and I need an interpreter, right? This guy's, you know, he's crying. And here's what he says to me. He said, my son and I were at Rolex yesterday to buy this watch, but I couldn't.
because I didn't have the money. I said, my brother, you don't need money. The devil doesn't steal nothing from you. So I just want to leave you with that. The devil can't take anything from you. Remember, you cannot succeed or you cannot fail. We'll start there. You cannot fail without your consent. But you cannot succeed without your participation. You have to give the devil the permission to beat your family up. If you don't give him permission, he ain't gonna do it. You lay your can you lay your hands on your wife. You lay your hands on your husband, you lay your hands on your kids every single day, you won't have them shot up like all these people are being killed. The kids don't need to be ones inside of that uh, story. They don't. And so friends, I just want you to know, the devil don't steal nothing from you. And you can have, you can have anything, anything that God says. Don't say what you have. Say what God said is yours. I love you guys. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's stand up on our feet. Oh, praise the Lord. Chris, yes. Chris, remember, we need to receive an offering. Yes. Man, that was good, huh? Let's let's sit down for a minute. I asked Dr. Rob. You know, people are giving online, and people have been giving and. I just really believe that um, you guys can play something. I asked Doc to, um, I really believe, I got a testimony today driving here. And it's, this this is just like, this is what happens and stuff like this. And I know we've been here for a minute. Guy called me up, one of the guys, he said, I just got a phone call. You're not going to believe this. He's probably watching. He said, I'm driving to go pick him up. He said, he's been blowing up my phone all day trying to get me. He's a business guy. And he said, I did business with this company before. He said, I'll never do business with these guys again. Real mess, you know. And the owner of the company called. This is years later, today. And said, we have a contract that's over a couple hundred million dollars nationwide. And a percentage of that has to come into the, into the place, the county that we live in. And the guy basically is like, I got no other option but you. And this guy's sitting here going, I'm I'm sitting at looking at just quadrupling my business. Like, like I'm like the every the last five deals these guys done have gotten done in the state. It's like, and he's like, I brother Avanzini said, Dr. Rob last night said to him, You're gonna take the wealth of the wicked and it's laid up for the just. This is why I don't want to like not, I don't want to leave these moments without sowing. Because that one guy's life's going to, I'm telling you, it's got, he, I'll let him testify when it's done. His life's going to be changed forever. I can't do that, but God can. That's what he does. So I, I, I don't want to miss a moment like this. So you got everybody get an envelope. I'm going to get out of the way. Let Doc receive the offering. But I just, this is where, it's miraculous. That's what the guy said to me. He said, this is a miracle, man. I said, yeah, I, tell me about it. It's like, you know, sometimes you, you do this and you're, and you're not even, you, you're not used to it, but you're just like, whoa. And, it, and it's, it started 
It's not even 24 hours. I don't know what you're believing God for, but you're believing God for something. I don't know what that is. But in moments like this, in times like this, I'm convinced that it's in a moment, man. The other day, the first day we started was Saturday morning. God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to give. It, in that thing, it wasn't 15 minutes later, it came out of his mouth. And I was going, oh my gosh, okay, here we go. Dr. John, it's like, when, when you hear when you hear God respond, man, do you hear what he's, all that stuff he was saying? Man, that things blew up when he said, if, if, if what I have can't get me what I want, it just revealed itself, it's not my harvest, it's a seed. What? I mean, it just changes your whole perspective on life, man. These truths are going to change your life forever. I want to thank Dr. Rob from the bottom of my heart. How about you guys, man, for being here, being gracious, teach us, teaching us what you know. Praise the Lord. So we can do it. Now you're cutting in on my conversations. I call them all the time asking them all these questions like, how do I do this? And how do I do that? How do I do this? How do I do that? And you know what? He's, you know what's funny? You need to hear this. A lot of times coming up, guys used to hide that stuff. These preachers are going to understand what I'm saying. And I might be speaking to them. But they hid all that stuff. They didn't tell you how to do it. It's like some secret, you know, like you stay over there and I do it. You just, you know what I mean? It was like almost they didn't want to show you the playbook, man. I was like, man. And then it's like you get around somebody like this. It's like he, get, he didn't just give me the playbook. I mean, he gave me everything. Here's the drop box. Take it all. Preach it. Don't tell them it's mine. That's what he said. Put your name on it and just use it like it's yours. That's the caliber of man you're standing before. So what he's saying tonight isn't just, not, that's not theory, man. That's impartation, amen. So I thank these guys. And Dr. John, I prayed for Dr. John today. I was thinking, I said, he's flying on a plane going to Singapore. I said, God bless Brother John. So pray for these guys when you think of them. Keep them in your prayers. And it's been a blessing this week. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for each and every person here. God, I know you love them. And Father, I just cannot wait to see the testimonies of the things you're going to do because of the faith that they released. It's a moment in time we'll never, we'll never, ever, ever maybe experience it again. But we know that in this moment, we were obedient to do what you've asked us to do. And because of it, you're going to increase these guys beyond their wildest dreams. Father, I thank you for blessing them and keeping them. And until we come back together again, God, watch over them and bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.